0: Hey Church of the Beloved, thanks for tuning in to our weekly sermon podcast. My name is Kevin Zoe and I'm the production manager here at COTV. Today's message is brought to us by our interim senior pastor Abe Lee. He is preaching from Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 through 11. All right, so um, letters from a friend, all right? That's the, the title that we gave this particular sermon series that we started right before Easter. Um, we did pause for a moment because we wanted to focus on Holy Week, Palm Sunday, Easter. Oh, we're coming back to it now. And if were, for those of you who are just joining us in this series, let me explain. We're, we're taking a look at some of the shorter letters that the Apostle Paul wrote to his, to his friends Tim and Titus and Phil and to his friends in Galatia and Ephesus, Philippi, Colossae, and Thessalonica. Uh, we're going to spend one Sunday, Sunday per letter and I mentioned this last month, so I want to repeat it. I'm barely scratching the surface of these letters. So I'm really hoping that you all will consider taking a time to dive deep into these letters so that on your own. Because so as it mentions in Galatians, the soil of your faith can be cultivated and produce spiritual fruit because of these letters. Now, Opal, who is our community group coordinator, she's even um, for our community group representatives, our reps, She's providing some notes and guidelines to help those, our community groups actually discuss in more detail each of these letters. So if you're interested in diving deep, um, you can talk to your community group reps about doing that. If you're not in a community group, talk to Opal. We're doing our best to start some new ones. We know we need them. But since it's been a minute, I want to I wanna recap a little bit. See, we started off at the uh, start of the series by considering the author of these letters, uh, Apostle Paul. In Paul's life, it reminds us that absolutely no one is outside or beyond God's reach. Then we had to pause for another Sunday because I got COVID. But then we picked it up again and looked at the churches in Galatia and the letter that Paul wrote to them. And it focused, focuses on the freedom of Christ's redemption that causes transformation by the power of God's spirit. Which is kind of a long summary. It's a, it's a mouthful. You can look at it this way. Galatians is about Christian liberty. And then right before Palm Sunday, we read the letter that Paul wrote to the Ephesians. We learned of how Christ calls us to unity, to be unif- unified but not uniform. How our faith is called to a unity in spite of and sometimes because of our diversity. But today, today, the key theme that I want to look at within this, with this letter f- to the Philippian church is that the church is called to unity through humility, through our humility. I was uh, was looking at my old sermon notes, and it turns out that about a year ago in April, actually, exactly a year ago, in April 2021, we went through Philippians as a sermon series. We called it the Epistle of Joy. It was the first time uh, uh, that I had ever done an entire sermon series on my own, which seems like centuries ago at this point. But I I was looking at our church calendar, and it turns out we took three months to go through this short little letter. Today, we're just going to spend a day. Like I said, just scratching the surface. But I was looking at my sermon notes because um, <laughs> I realized I had some really goofy illustrations during that sermon series. Uh, there was one, there was an acronym, JOY, Jesus, Others, You, which is actually not that goofy, mainly because it's not mine, it's somebody else's. But mine was like, I, I quoted LMFAO. Uh, <laughs> Look at that body, which I know, look at that body is not the name of the song. Kotz already corrected me, but that's the only line I can remember from it. But uh, I use that song to emphasize the fact that we need to work out our salvation. Um, I I, I actually had a lot of fun going through that Philippians series back then. We we called it the epistle of joy because there's so much in that letter that's focused on the joy Paul had. Even when he was in jail, in spite of the fact that he was being in prison because of Jesus. The joy he had because of Jesus. But I was going through my old notes because I'll I'll be very honest with you. I I was hoping that maybe there was some stuff that I didn't cover the first time around in that sermon series for today's message. Because, you know, we just had Easter and an amazing Good Friday service. So all my energy and all our energy as staff, it it, it was hyper-focused on that weekend, that Passion Week. So, you know, trying to get a sermon written after all of that. And I also have a day job. And if you're not aware, I have a day job in, in software. So at, at work right now, I'm trying to get my team together to get a release out that's due at the end of the month. And it's just it's a little crazy. So I was kind of, kind of hoping that maybe there was something that I'd, I'd be able to pull together from those previous remnants, right? But it's that, that's not how preaching works. At least it's not how it works for me, honestly. Um, I want to explain a little bit of the process uh, that I go through. The very first thing I always do is I start with prayer. I pray. I pray for wisdom because I typically have no clue where I'm going or what I'm going to say. After I start with prayer, then I just read. I read the passage, which in today's case is a letter of Philippians. So I, read the entire, I read the entire letter. I read it over and over again. I used Different translations, I use the NIV, the ESV, the CSB, the TPT, the KJV, ABC, whatever. Uh, I just sat with it and read it, and then I just prayed again. Asking God, just help me understand what you intend me, God, to share with our family here. Then I take some time and look at commentaries, I uh, listen to scholars, podcasts, whatever. After all that, that's when I start to write. Now, I am not a prophet of any kind or anything like that. I don't receive visions. I don't have a burning computer monitor in front of me talking to me. But eventually and typically, God will start to provide a clarity, a clarity of focus regarding the message for the week. And I I, I will tell you, it's a lot of fun to be on the receiving end of that clarity. When I start experiencing the clarity of what God intends me to say, it's, it's why people, when they ask me, how can I have a full-time job in tech and a full-time job in ministry, how is that even remotely possible? Now, It's because, I'll tell you, it's the joy that I feel when I see my wife uh, just interacting and connecting with people at the church. It's, the, it's because of the happiness I experience by, 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 because I get to work with Yuji and Jonah, Kevin, and Opal. It's the glee I get from being able to serve you, to pastor, to shepherd, to counsel. These are all amazing and wonderful things, and I receive joy in them. But I'll tell you the truth that I think my ability and my desire to serve in this time, in this way, in this place, is because of the clarity. Because of the peace of those moments of clarity that God blesses me with. And for this book, for Philippians, that moment of clarity, the clarity I received, it wasn't based on what I didn't talk about the first time through the book of Philippians. Now, the moment of clarity that I received was this. Paul really, really wants to encourage all the folks he's writing to. He wants to encourage them by reminding them that they're family. Just like us, the beloved of God, they are beloved of God together. That those who are reading his letters, his letters of encouragement, should be united together because of and in their faith. And and it's not just this letter, by the way. It's all of, at least the ones we've looked at so far. He wants everyone. He wants the Galatians. He wants the Ephesians. He wants the Philippians. He wants them all to remember that we're one, no matter where we are. See, the letter to the Galatians is about the church being united in our Christian freedoms, in our liberty from the law. The letter to the Ephesians is about our unity in our diversity as a church. And this epistle of joy joy is encouraging the church in Philippi, and is encouraging ultimately us, the church of the beloved, to be unified in our humility, in a humbleness towards each other. Yeah, there's a lot of joy in Philippians. This letter is intended to encourage us to find that same joy that Paul has. But it's also Paul reminding us that the joy that Christ provides it is found by being unified in our humility towards one another. A humility that Jesus lived out as the perfect and ultimate example. Now we're going to look at how Christ, the ultimate and perfect example of humility, a humility that engenders unity, we're going to look at that. But what I to do first is go back a couple of verses. In chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, this is what it says there. If then there's any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the spirit, if any affection and mercy, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. If you read this letter from Paul to the Philippians, Paul started his letter off by telling his friends, you know, I miss you. you know, I, I wish we could be together. And that things are going Okay. He mentions there's some weirdness going around. There are some people who are preaching about Jesus because they think it's going to hurt him, uh, that it'll be bad for Paul for some reason. But he's like, I don't care. It's all good because more people are hearing about Jesus. So it's all, I, it doesn't matter what they think about me as long as Christ is being preached. Do it. And then as you continue reading, it gets a little dark. Uh, Paul starts talking about how he'd rather be dead than alive, or at least it seems like he's talking about that. But as you read through it, you realize, no, he's not saying he'd rather be dead. He's saying he'd rather be home, home with God, going home with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Paul would rather be chilling with, in the upside-down kingdom with the king. But he also knows that he has work to do. He has work to do here in this place. And, and he appreciates how the church and the people in Philippi have been such a joy to him, such an encouragement to him throughout the entire process, even while he's in prison. And then, as he's going through this, basically, Paul writes, hey, I really need to hear, I want to hear some good news about how things are going with you all. You know, that you all are are living a gospel-centered, a gospel-transformed life together, that you're standing firm, united with one spirit, with one hope, and with one faith. I want to hear this. See, when Paul says, and when Paul asks, if there is any encouragement in Christ if there's any consolation or, or comfort with from love, any fellowship in the spirit, if any affection and mercy. These are all rhetorical questions, Dave. They're rhetorical, man. He doesn't need oh it's okay, don't worry. He doesn't need an answer. Because he knew the answers, and I think Dane knows them too. Because what he's saying is because you are being encouraged in your love for Jesus, because the Holy Spirit is actively in your, participating in your life, because you have such a deep desire for Christ, because you have experienced Jesus' mercy, his affection, and his grace, because of all these things, please do me a favor. Make my joy Make my joy complete by thinking the same way, by having the same love, by being united in spirit, by being intent on one purpose. He's saying be united together as one body, as one family. We're sharing the love. He's asking them to share the love with each other that the people of Philippi have so easily shared with Paul. Because the people in Philippi, like we, we're all in this. Together, the pains and the joy, these are things we share together as we all strive together to, to grow in our faith and to grow in our relationship to our Father in heaven. Together, I think is a hard word, especially for our church, in, in fairness, because you know we're not a neighborhood church. Unless you're living downtown, we're not really a neighborhood church anymore. We have folks coming from Hyde Park, Uptown, Bridgeport, Wicker Park. We got, being together is, is difficult. And, and being together is kind of hard for us because our church is naturally kind of transitory. There, a number of you who are joining us today, you're students. And, and I'm so glad to have you part of our family. So much fun having you around. And we encourage you during your time with us. I need you and I want you to commit to this community to live gospel-transformed lives together with us. But the reality is this. You're here for school. I get that. And whether this is where you will end up staying, God only knows. So together is a hard word when sometimes distance, time, circumstances, when those come into play. It's not impossible. It's just hard. There are a few folks who are part of our beloved family who are covenant members of, as I like to say, our local embassy that are going to be transitioning out. For different reasons. Some are going away to continue school. Some uh, are new jobs. Some are needing to just find a different community so that they can grow in their faithfulness with God and with others. But regardless, we are united together as one family in God. One's one's status as a sister or brother in God's family, it does not change. It never goes away. You may no longer be a part of, uh, in our midst as part of the gathering of this particular community, but it doesn't matter because we love you regardless. We We love them with the same love. We are united with the same mindset. We are all focused on Christ alone and drawing closer to him. In other words, we are united with our family in Christ forever and wherever. I mention this because, as I said, some are going, um, to, and I want to do this. I want to send those covenant members who are transitioning away from our church. We want to send them in prayer, and we're not going to do it today. It's the end of next month, but what I—I I don't want them to sneak away, off into the night, for and folks to suddenly go, "Huh, where's so and so? Did they become atheist? or did they just disappear?" See, our church, we, Church of the Blood, have made a commitment to you to love you, to shepherd you, to pray for you, to pastor you, each of his covenant members, and we absolutely are going to honor that because, because we are encouraged in our love for Jesus together, because the Holy Spirit is actively participating in our lives together, because we have such a deep desire for Christ together, because we have experienced Jesus' mercy and grace together. And because of all this, We're going to complete each other's joy by being of the same heart, same mind, same love together, no matter where we are. So that's something we're going to do together next month. Anyway, so Paul's calling the church to be united together, to to find our joy in our unity, and to find our joy in our unity through humility. And he explains how to do that in verse 3. He says this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. There's a quote. Humility is thinking less of yourself. It is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking about yourself less. And I don't know if you've heard that before. A lot of folks think C.S. Lewis is the one who said it, but that's not, not the case. He didn't say this. Not really sure where it's from, but regardless of where it's from, it is a good point And it's a pretty good summary of what Lewis did write uh, in his book, Mere Christianity. Because humility or counting others more significant, it is not meant to diminish you as an image-bearer of God. See, humility is intended to elevate others as fellow image-bearers of God. I want to read to you what C.S. Lewis actually did write in Mere Christianity. He said this, he said, do not imagine that if you meet a really humble man, he'll be what most people call humble nowadays. He'll, he'll not be a sort of greasy, swarmy person who's always telling you that, of course, he's nobody. No, probably all you will think about him is that he seemed a cheerful, intelligent chap who took a real interest in what you said to him. If you do dislike him, it'll be because you feel a, a little envious of anyone who seems to enjoy life so easily he will not be thinking about humility. He will not be thinking about himself at all. See, humility isn't about thinking less of yourself. It's about thinking of yourself less. See, humility isn't about diminishing yourself. It's about elevating others. And the first step to being humble, as it's written here, to being united with the family of God in humility is to do nothing Selfish ambition or conceit? Nothing. The original Greek for nothing is miden, which means nothing. There's nothing lost in the translation there. It's just nothing. Do nothing. Do Absolutely don't do anything out of selfish ambition. Don't do anything out of vain conceit at all. That, and I, I, I think it's, it's a hard thing to consider, though, because we're not talking about what you do. We are talking about why you do. And and, and why you do, oftentimes it feels like that's something that's kind of out of your control. You know, it's just the way I feel about it. I can't change how I feel, right? I think you can. See, the perfect model of what it looks like to do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit and to consider others more significant, the perfect example is Christ who did do that. And the best way to not diminish yourself as an image bearer of God, but rather to elevate others as fellow image bearers of God, it is seen in the life and the death and the resurrection of the Son of God. And that brings us to the passage that I read earlier today. Now, by the way, today's passage is sometimes called the Hymn of Christ. It's a beautiful presentation. Some believe it was actually an actual hymn um, from that time. Uh, But it's a presentation of the gospel, the good news. It's the heart of what it is we believe and what it is that transforms us and who it is that we follow. Jesus Christ, the Son of God who is a man and who is simultaneously God. That Christ who was willing to give up his godness to redeem us. I want to read that passage again. Starting with verse 5, it says, Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, didn't consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every other name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Now, Paul is pointing something out very specifically. He's saying, if you really want to understand what true humility is, if you really want to know what it looks like and and what our motivation should be in humility, then look at the perfect example, Jesus. So because of that, that's what we're going to do today. We're going to just look at a couple things. We're going to look at how Christ was humble, how, how he did not diminish himself but rather elevated others. And then we're going to consider the attitude that he's calling us to as we strive for humility. Those are the two main things. And so the very first one is how are we supposed to be humble, right? He tells us right in verse 7, by emptying yourself. I want to start reading from verse 6 again. It says "As who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant taking on the likeness of humanity. Now, to empty oneself, I'll be honest, it sounds a bit antithetical to the idea of not considering yourself less, right? How does one not diminish yourself, oneself, when one is emptying oneself? It seems counterintuitive. It, it almost feels like, based on this passage, it almost seems like humility is about thinking less of yourself if your first step is to, to empty yourself. But if you turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, Jesus has this model of what it means how to pray. And in the start of this model prayer, Jesus is speaking the same truth that Paul is saying here, that we need to be empty so that God can fill us. In verse 10, it says this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, empty yourself, it means that you're not saying it's my way or the highway. Emptying yourselves, emptying ourselves, it means saying it's God's way because that is the higher way. I think it's important to note this though. Very important to remember, Jesus did not relinquish his status or his standing as God when he emptied himself because he did empty himself, right? He was and is still in the form of God. He is God, always God. He just didn't consider equality being God something that he needed to exploit or wanted to exploit. He just, he didn't need to flaunt his status. He voluntarily chose to ignore it. You voluntarily chose to submit to God's plan, to God's design, to God's will. So I used to travel a lot for my previous job. I received a permanent gold status after flying a million miles. It was like 15 plus years ago. Now, and Suzette, who's my wife, she's automatically now a million mile flyer and gold status permanently. It's just how the program works. Thank you, United. Um, it, Which is a really good thing because now it means that no matter what, if I get an upgrade, she comes with me. Always together. But it wasn't always the case. I remember one day we were traveling. uh, We got what we call the poor man's business class, which is, you know, emergency room. Because you got all that room in front of you. And we just got settled in uh, when the flight attendant came up to me and said, oh, Mr. Lee, you've been upgraded. I was like, awesome, cool. My wife too? Now, it would have been very easy for me to say, God's will be done, and taking the upgrade. And and I know Suzette, as kind as she is, she would have been fine with it, I hope and pray. Uh, But we're never going to find out because I didn't. I didn't take it. I just told the attendant, you know what? That's okay then. Give it to the next person on the list who happened to be sitting right next to us. And he's like, really? As he's packing his bag as quickly as he can, uh, he didn't want me to change my mind. Um, See, my decision... To not exploit my status didn't require me to diminish myself. My status as an elite flyer, it didn't change. But rather what I did is I elevated my wife. I elevated my time to travel together just to watch a movie on an iPad, just chill with each other. See, the perfect example of humility as Christ lived, it calls us to empty ourselves by not diminishing the image bearer of God that God created us to be, but rather by elevating the image bearers of God around us, by by understanding that our status as the beloved of God, it doesn't go away because we choose to say to God, not my will, God, yours alone, God. Help me to love you and to love my brother and sister as you love them. Help me to live as you live. That's the first point. Here's the second one. It's regarding the attitude that we're called to adopt. If you go to verse 8 in chapter 2, it says this. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Even to death on a cross. See, obedience required an active choice on the part of Christ. To actively submit to the point of the most embarrassing, the most humiliating form of execution possible. And if you look at scripture, it says before Jesus was taken up on the cross, he prayed. He prayed that if it was at all possible, God, please don't let me die this way. Because he was not jumping for joy at the opportunity to experience the full impact of his active submission of his obedience. He didn't want the cross. But Jesus, the perfect example of humility, he understood that by emptying himself of his will, It didn't diminish his status as God, as the son of God. His status never left him, but his obedience, it provided the perfect model of humility. The perfect model of humility that we are called to learn from and to live. See, the attitude that we are called to live out is is an active obedience through willing submission to God's plan and God's priorities over ours. And I'll tell you, the best and the only way to know what God's plan and God's priorities are over ours is to read this book. Not necessarily this one, but the Bible. I, I manage a software platform. Uh, this my day job. It's used by government agencies. They use it to set up social welfare programs and stuff like that. So we provide uh, our implementation teams documentation, how to configure the platform, use it for their purposes. As we say, we like to tell them how to turn the knobs and dials to do certain things that they need to do. we got this huge manual for them. But we'll get calls from some of our consultants, internal, and they'll ask, you know, how do you do X? Or or, or, why didn't Y work, right? And I'll be very... Actually, I don't receive the calls. It's my customer success team that does. But the first thing that goes through my head is when I hear those things is, RTFM, read the flippin' manual, which not flippin' though. I'll tell you, this idea kind of applies here, but in a much nicer way. See... There there is absolutely value for us to gather together. To gather together, to dive deeper in Scripture on Sunday morning, during Sunday school, in our community groups. To have the Scripture brought to life in front of each of us in this corporate setting. This is wonderful. It's an encouragement to hear the children laughing and playing. But only depending on those moments of collective learning, without taking the time to dive into Scripture... And to read this library of letters and stories and books that God's provided you and us, it would be such an amazing waste of an awesome resource. See, active obedience through willing submission to God's plan and his priorities, it requires us to know what his plans and his priorities are. And we only know them by reading about them in this treasure trove of God's word to us. This letter, it is calling the church of the beloved to be united through our humility. And humility is not about diminishing me. It's about elevating you. And we live united in our mutual humility by emptying ourselves so that we can be filled and follow God. So that we can live and love as Christ lived and loved. And that's how we do it. And our attitude, our approach to this humility is an active obedience through willing submission. A decision. A decision that you and I make to say, God, I'm going to follow you. I, I may not like it. I may not understand it. But I trust it. I trust you over all things because, because you've shown me through the lives of those around me, through the lives I've seen in Scripture, through the life I'm living now, and you've shown me that I, I've seen it and I can trust that you love me, God, that you desire me to know the never-ending, ever-increasing joy that is already There's one last thing I want to mention, uh, which is the result of Christ and his humility. It says, uh, starting in verse 9, for this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Back in 2005, some of you know this show, uh, premiered on NBC, The Office. Um, it was based on a show that's from the UK. I used to watch it when I w- lived in Ireland for a minute. Uh, it was a runaway hit there. It was amazing. And, and it was such a hit in the UK, they figured, you know, let's just do it again and do it in the United States. Because everyone loves a winner. They, they do it all the time. A winning formula works in another country, so they bring it to the U.S. Shark Tank. It actually was a really popular show in Japan. It was called something else, I can't remember what it was. Homeland, Showtime has that show. It actually started from Israel. Uh, Big Brother, which I don't know if it's still on anymore, but that actually started in the Netherlands. Basically, everybody loves a winner, a good model of the show. I know it's gonna be a kind of a stretch, but hear me out. I think Paul's doing the same thing. Paul's reminding us that Jesus isn't just the perfect example of humility. Jesus is the ultimate winner of everything. So, follow him. So, Christ is the fully exalted one that everyone from, from Elon Musk to Jeff Bezos to Tate to Trump to Biden to Obama to Hillary to Yuji to, to Jonah to everyone is going to bow the knee. You too. Everyone's going to bow the knee to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords. So, we follow the example of the unsurpassed, the unrivaled, and the ultimate winner. See, I choose to proclaim that Jesus is Lord right now. He's, he's not my assistant. I am his servant. Um, you all right, dude? I just saw him fall. And he's not crying, so he's fine. <laughs> oh, don't go away. This is an enticement to those who are joining online. It's so much more fun in person. <laughs> anyway, as I was saying, I choose to proclaim that Christ is Lord, and I choose to do it right now. Jesus is not my assistant. Jesus, I am His servant. I bow my knee to my Savior now, not to make Jesus Lord. I bow my Savior to my to Jesus now because He is Lord. Because you see, everyone's going to bow. It's either going to be now, or it's going to be later. I choose salvation and bow now instead of judgment and bowing later. Paul's letter to his friends in Philippi, among other things, other things, it calls them and calls us. calls us to be united together in our humility. A humility that doesn't diminish me, but rather elevates you. A humility lived by emptying ourselves so that we can be filled by and follow God a humility that's based on the ultimate example Jesus that's Paul's letters to the Philippian church thanks for tuning in to this week's COTV sermon podcast for more info or to connect with us you can visit us online at cotv.life